Let's do a quick primer again. The difference between a tax credit and a deduction. So if I'm paying my marginal tax rate at 37% to the federal government, if I have a $1,000 deduction that reduces my taxable income, that $1,000 really only reduces my taxes by 370 bucks. But if I have a $1,000 tax, I get to reduce my taxes by a thousand bucks. Tax credits are awesome. Almost three times more awesome than a deduction. Gotta love deductions, but man, do I love tax credits. So tell us, before we get into other tax credits, tell us about the one credit that still exists to help incentivize research and development. Yeah, so there is an R&D tax credit, research and development. Some people call it research and experimentation credit, R&E, R&D credit. And this is available for those innovative companies that are doing something around technology, around pharmaceuticals, around manufacturing, around software, around something that it has a, a science behind it engineering, computer science, biology, chemistry. And so this is out there. What happens, like you said, Mike, which is a great explanation, you turn these expenses from a deduction into a credit. You take deductions and you semi-convert them to a credit. It becomes a credit, but there's math behind it. And we're not going to do math today, other no, than what no you math. just did, which was great math, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And, and so to qualify for the credit, you have to meet a four-part test which first is, do you meet the permitted purpose? Which is really simple. Do I have a new or improved, you could summarize it as new or improved product or process. So a tangible product or a process that helps me get to that product at some level. But it goes further and it says, do you have a new or improved product, process, technique, formula, invention, or software. And so do we have something that falls into those categories? Is there technology on it? Science that we already mentioned. Is there uncertainty in the project? Which uncertainty has to be technical uncertainty. So what's the correct way to manufacture this widget? What are the components? How do these materials work together? Let's say there's a process of flash freezing food that's different and we're trying to improve that process that has technical uncertainty into it. And then four, because there's technical uncertainty, we're going to experiment. And that's the four part test, new improved product process, technology, uncertainty, experimentation, and experimentations as simple as trial and error, prototyping, computer modeling, mathematical equations, all that kind of stuff. If we have that there's an overriding factor, which I don't know how deep we want to get into. But bottom line is if we have that, we have a project that qualifies. The, the, the good thing is then we convert that to a credit. The most common users of this are manufacturers, pharmaceuticals, software developers. But don't limit your thinking to those because anybody that can meet that four-part test could potentially qualify. The component of technology, I think, I want to unpack that a little bit. So there has yeah. to be technology involved. Most clients, when I bring up the possibility of R&D for them, they're like, we're not high tech. We don't make software. Yep. We don't create IC yep. chips. Explain how that technology doesn't necessarily mean what we consider technology in the normal world. Yeah. So all of us at some level use technology now. Every business is using it. We're using it right now, recording this. And everybody's probably integrating some kind of technology into their business at some level. So let me give you an example. And I may have talked about this last time we recorded, but I'm part owner of a craft beer bar in Chicago. Yeah, I remember. Okay. And so that craft beer bar has an online store. We're bar 
we're a liquor store. And actually, since we talked last, we're a restaurant now too. We added a restaurant. And so that online store is obviously run from software. We have our POS system. We have our inventory system. We have our accounting system. We have our shipping system. And all those systems need to communicate for an order to come in through the computer, get packaged, and get shipped to the end user. Most of those are freestanding software products already. POS system, we license from somebody. Every other system, we license from somebody. But to get them to communicate, we had to develop some links so all those softwares communicated together. All that time we spent on creating those links between that software was R&D time. And so I have a liquor store, a bar that took an R&D tax credit because of integrating technology into that business. That makes sense. That was a great okay. example. So let's get in a little more maybe high level, but details of the R&D tax credit, how, how it works. Yep. When should someone consider talking with their CPA or their tax professional about the R&D tax credit? Yeah, I think a good rule of thumb is if you have over, over you know, 100, 200,000 of expenses that you think fall into what I just said, that four-part test, and the expenses I should identify, salaries and wages, who in the company is doing these things, designing, testing, prototyping, or supporting those activities? Are we outsourcing those expenses? That's another thing. And are we consuming materials like supplies? And that's another thing. So we think we got a couple hundred thousand expenses. It's worth a look because a good rule of thumb is somewhere between six to 10% of those expenses. So if we have 200 grand, we got a $20,000 credit and Mike educated us on the fact that that $20,000 credit, that's 20,000 in your pocket, assuming you're paying taxes. So that becomes a, a significant number to a lot of taxpayers. And so most bar owners aren't going to think they're doing R&D. So somehow we have to be able to educate. And not every bar, I don't want every bar owner come and saying I have an R&D tax credit. So that's the bad part of that example. Uh, but if you're using technology, if you're manufacturing, if you're integrating software, if you're with coding being part of it, not just installing yeah. a program, but coding. That's the common what, area. It, it's worth a look. What about startups? You mentioned if you pay tax, then you get the tax credit. But what about startups who maybe aren't making a net profit yet? Because most startups yep. don't, but they're paying payroll. Can that credit help them out dollar-wise? Look at you lobbing me a softball there that I can go. That was nice. <laughs> uh, yes, there is a rule in place. And this kicked in about oh, seven years ago or so. Tangent alert real quick. <laughs> Congress over the years have made the R&D tax credit user-friendly. They Every year we get something more user-friendly. And then this 174 R&D capitalization rule just counteracted all that. So Mike, what you were alluding to seven years ago in the PATH Act, whenever that came out, eight years ago, they defined a, a, a subset of companies, startup companies, and they defined startup companies as companies that have less than $5 million in gross receipts in the current tax year and no gross receipts further back than five tax years, including the current one. And if you fall under those requirements, what you can do, you can take the credit and you can offset payroll taxes. When that was originally defined, it was 250,000 of credit can offset payroll taxes. I think today it's 500,000 now. A $5 million company is gonna be hard stretched to get a $500,000 credit. So most startups, if they qualify, should be able to get a majority of the credit to offset payroll taxes. And, and they may not have $500,000 of payroll taxes to offset either, but it carries forward if they don't. So startups, yes, can use the credit. 
they can elect to have it go to their 941, which is their payroll tax return, and, and get a refund uh, from their payroll tax return or reduce their current payments. That's really big because that's going to be your biggest expense as a startup is payroll. You're just trying to get your company off the ground. But there is a big difference between, I think you already alluded to it a little bit earlier, is being contracting R&D credits or R&D work out versus employing it and doing it yourself. There's a vast mm-hmm. difference between those two because, for instance, Mike and I, we are investing into some, I would say, R&D qualified work where we're revamping a dashboard. We're doing a lot of software work trying to get, just like your bar was, I'm trying to get project management system, time and billing system, billings, all these components talking together so we can make management decisions and data is not everywhere. We're trying to clean that up, but we're having to outsource it. We're accountants. I don't know how to run that. I'm not going to run that project. So we are outsourcing it and there's no payroll tax on that. If you have a contractor, you're not paying any payroll tax. So in that instance, we're not going to have much meat on that just because you're going to get a phase down tax credit when it comes to contractor payments and even more so if they're foreign. Yeah. So every situation is a little bit different, but if you're a startup and you have employees, you have hired the engineers, the computer programmers, and you are doing the work yourself, tremendous benefits. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's an area where, you know, this credit can be used for five years from day one till as long as you're still under 5 million, you could do this every year. And even if you can't use it every year, it carries forward. Even on the payroll tax side, it carries forward, but it also carries forward on the income tax side if you're trying to offset income tax with it. So it it is a nice benefit. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with a company, I'd rather there's a current benefit than carrying it forward because I'd rather tell somebody, yes, there's money going back into your bank today than we're hoping there's money going back into your bank in a couple of years. If you're in the startup phase and, and you're very confident, it may make sense to still look at it, even if you can't offset payroll taxes. Yeah. Because they're going to have to pay you whether or not it carries forward. Is that how it works? So if you have a client who has a large credit, but it's carrying forward, they're going to have to pay the credit company, you guys, to be able to perform that work, do the due diligence and do everything that you need to do. But they're not going to see the benefit over unless it's spread out over several years. That's why I like somebody to have current benefit because I feel yeah. guilty that if they don't use it, then I ask them to pay me yeah. for something. So. And I, I probably shouldn't even say this, but we do work out deals if there's not a current usage of it, maybe even delay in sometimes. But don't let my partners know I told you that. <laughs> they won't post it anywhere except everywhere. Yeah, except all, right. all of our social media channels. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> all right. So that's some more detail on the R&D tax credit. Recently, and, and this is one thing I do love about our government and our country, it doesn't matter the Democrats are in charge or the Republicans are in charge or heck, even a libertarian is in charge. So that hasn't happened. They all come out with some kind of tax cuts or tax incentives. And the Inflation Reduction Act came out just over a year ago now, came out and I don't know what it does for inflation, but it has a whole bunch of tax credit incentives, especially in energy and renewable energy, right? Can you talk to us about some of those and what some of our listeners maybe didn't know that there's money out there for them if they're doing X, Y, or Z. Yep. And I'm going to talk from the business standpoint, not the individual standpoint, but just everybody knows at the 1040, the individual taxpayer level, there are incentives as well. Electric vehicles and solar panels and all that. 
But from a business standpoint, this is a huge opportunity for taxpayers. And so before I even define what they are, the R&D tax credit over the next 10 years is projected to be a $100 billion tax saving opportunity for taxpayers. So 10 billion a year, 100 billion over the next 10 years, which is a huge opportunity. Now, Congress looks at, at this like, okay, here's our cost. Our cost is 100 billion. For us as taxpayers, it's our opportunity is 100 billion. The renewable energy, when it was first defined by Congress, they attached a $400 billion cost to it for the next 10 years. $400 billion opportunity. So four times the R&D tax credit, which is a huge opportunity. We've had companies, these financial think tanks or whatever, analyzing this bill, and they're saying, yeah, Congress is wrong. This is a trillion dollars, over a trillion dollars over the next 10 years of opportunity with these renewable credits. Uh, and this is after they've seen the implementation and how it started. So we are at the tip of the iceberg for this, right? This just kicked in January 1st of 23. There were some credits out there before this Inflation Reduction Act. I'm talking these new credits. So January 1st of 23, this kicks in. And I'm, I'll, I'll mention a couple credits in brief, but I'll mention one a little bit longer that's probably the more common one. In brief, if you are a producer of renewable energy, you have a, a wind farm and you're selling this energy to the electric company or something, there's a credit for you. So that's code section 45. I like codes. All right. That's Nerds. 45. Exactly. And this stuff is exciting. There's a credit for if you're a manufacturer and you're manufacturing equipment that's used in renewable energy, there's a credit for you. If you're a manufacturer and you manufacture a component that goes into equipment that creates renewable energy, there's a credit for you. If you are uh, somebody that is expanding your facility or re-equipping it or enhancing it or building it new to one, reduce greenhouse effects, or two, to expand a facility to manufacture these products, or three, expand your facility to figure out ways to recycle critical min minerals and materials that go into renewable energy. All that's out there. Those are nice credits. The one that we're going to see the most common usage of is 40 code section. And that is for companies, not just companies, and I'll explain that in a second, but some kind of non-individual taxpayer or entity out there that are using renewable energy. So you put solar panels on your manufacturing facility. You put a windmill outside your church, a nonprofit, there's an opportunity. And so they made, like we said with the R&D tax credit, they made this so user-friendly. They made this renewable energy super user-friendly, meaning that if I'm a nonprofit, I put solar panels on or geo uh, power or gas power, not gas, but geogas, biogas, that's what it's called, mm. biogas, which is like waste. Uh, if I'm using wind, I'm using geothermal, I'm using special windows that actually create energy as well. If I'm a nonprofit and I do that, I turn this credit, which is about a 30% credit. It varies. It could be as low as 6%. Most companies will get at least 30% and it can go as high as 70%, which is gigantic. Mm. The nonprofit turns this into a tax payment. They file a 990T and they get a refund of that tax payment and it becomes a refundable credit for a nonprofit. Nonprofits had no incentive from a tax standpoint to put renewable energy project products into their facilities. Now they have a huge one. I am a for-profit business and I'm, let's say I'm an AMT. This can offset AMT. It can go back three years and offset AMT and it carries forward 20 years. So I should be able to use this 
fairly easily with those requirements. But if I'm not, I can sell it. There's a market out there where you can sell this credit. I don't know the numbers, but let's assume I get 90 cents on the dollar and now someone else gets a, this credit that they get to use to offset their taxes. So offset MTA, sellable, turn into a refundable credit for nonprofits if I install some kind of renewable energy product into my facility. We're on this hockey stick, I think, growth for this. We're at the beginning, this flat. Over the next couple of years, this is just going to skyrocket to the standpoint because the, the break even from installing renewable energy equipment into your facility has come down so far within three, five years or something, you've paid for it. And now you have free energy for the rest of this time. You're just going to see a lot of implementation here. So tax credits can be, you said at the beginning, taxes can be exciting. Or I love it. This is such an opportunity for taxpayers to get some savings. It's going to be fun. Yeah. IRC 45 and 48 are very sexy code sections. Let's just go ahead and look at that. that. Go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really works. Yeah. This is yeah. one time recently where our, our government got together to do something for the betterment of our country and it's working. It's going to make us more secure. Yeah. I'm not going to get started on the other things they could do to get it gets more secure. Or, yeah. Anyways, but this works. It didn't even work for me. I, and not a green energy person. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I want the cheapest option I can get to, whether it's putting gas in my car or hooking up to a utility. I put panels on our house last year, just in time for the 2022 tax year. We got them December 17th, finally installed, and that saved me $30,000 in taxes this year. I bought these solar panels on a 25-year, very ridiculously low interest rate loan, and just the tax credit alone pays for the first seven years of my solar panels, if I want to look at it that way. And at that point, my break-even is well. It's awesome. I got cheap energy, free money. I only pay one payment of that mortgage, that 25-year mortgage. So I paid $277 last year and in return got 30000 bucks and awesome solar energy at home. It's beautiful. Nice. I am green now. Yep. We're going to have to use you in marketing, I think. Well, I just bought a camper. As well. I'm buying apparently a lot of things. And on the camper, there's a solar panel on top. And we've used the camper only twice because we just bought a month ago. And that solar panel, one 200-watt solar panel, keeps the two, basically, marine batteries I have to run the camper charged. I'm sure if I was out for two weeks, it may drain it to a point. But we have had no problem using everything inside the refrigerator, the lights, everything that needs electricity, and that's that solar panel on top. I don't think I get a credit for that solar panel, but still. Unless that camper's business. Are you using the camper to travel and sell and pick up business? Then well, we are deducting the camper. Well, why Mike's got is, an idea here. Why is that solar panel not offer you a credit? You placed it in well, service. Yeah. You paid for it. You might need a cost segregation on your camper, but you paid for it. You should get a credit for it. And, and honestly, when I said that, I thought, well, I didn't pay separately for the panels, but the cost seg maybe give me the opportunity to segregate that cost out and figure and don't out. Don't forget the, the batteries. Panel. The batteries yeah, and the batteries, too. because that's a, that's a credit now, too. The, the storage, the battery storage is a credit available as well. God, this is um, sexy. You're welcome, it Randy. Is. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm glad I'm on the show. Now I just <laughs> saved myself. Well, obviously, the solar panels must have cost me $30,000. Oh, easy. 30 Eight thousand I spent or whatever the number was. 
Yep. And so we could potentially do a credit there. Honestly, my camper would qualify as a house under the mortgage deduction rules. So residential, maybe. there you go. That's right. This is this. I just got educated. This is awesome. This is pretty cool too. When you're looking at renewable energy projects, all those things I just mentioned, we're going to put solar panels on a facility, our manufacturing plant, our warehouse, whatever. Well, most likely we're going to do something to that roof as well. It's just going to happen. So now, not only do you have a potential renewable energy credit, you have a potential 179D, which is energy efficient commercial building deduction credit. That taxpayer probably has an opportunity for a cost segregation study because you have to look and see what cost our energy cost and what cost our maybe potential roof like 179 cost, which is an immediate deduction and what cost our other things. And so now you have three opportunities just because you put renewable energy to look at for tax savings. And then you heard me say there's a credit for manufacturers or renewable energy equipment. Well, not only do they have that renewable energy equipment credit, they probably have a cost seg and they have an R&D tax credit because they're a manufacturer. So it's just going to be this opportunity to bundle tax saving opportunities for taxpayers. And that's I get so excited about because there's just so many opportunities all in one when you look at somebody installing renewable energy. Yes, this is exciting. We weren't really joking at the beginning. This is exciting stuff. Tax credits are amazing. They're valuable. They're there. We should use them. Unless you don't want to take what's legally owed to you, then... You need to talk to someone about the tax credits that you might be eligible for. Randy, as always, it's so fun to talk to you and you're just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to R&D tax credits. So any last words and also just how can people reach out and find you if they want to kick the tires on their own situation? Well, what I would say, anybody listening here, reach out to Kevin and Mike because they're the overall tax experts. But if there is an opportunity with these things, they'll identify that and, and come to me with it. But if anybody wants to see me at all anywhere. Our website is try tri-merit, M-E-R-I-T.com. There's a meet the teams page there. I'm all over LinkedIn and probably other social media. We have a marketing department that kind of push me around to other places. Well, they don't push me around. <laughs> Although they, I would love yeah, them. They They're do. very good. But they do push me around, but they push the things I do out there on social media and, and they do a great job. So Honestly, Mike, Kevin, you both know this. You both already said it, but these opportunities are there. And as Mike just said, these are legal parts of the tax code. Unlike some of the ERC stuff we talked mm -hmm. about at the beginning, the stuff we're talking about is legal. You have earned this by following the tax law. And so there's no reason not to identify or at least investigate that there's an opportunity there for you. And so the things that we do, we do a free investigation on all of them. There's no commitment. And, and it, so it's worth just seeing if there's some way, shape, or form you can save money on your taxes. And there is a time crunch or time pressure. There's something called the statute of limitations for these credits. So if you wait too long, whether you are owed the credit or not, you're not going to get it. So jump on. Don't let the statute of limitations expire. And on that note, let me quickly circle back to the ERC. When is the final drop dead date? The statute of limitation date hit for the ERC. When do people need to apply for that if they're going to qualify? Yep. And so there's two deadlines because there was two years we were eligible for the credit. 2020, the 2020 credit, which was pretty much available March 13th till the end of the year, if you qualified, all those quarters, it's a quarterly payroll tax filing, all those quarters are due whatever tax day is this 24 season. So April 15th, unless it's a day or two later this year. But April, let's assume April 15th to 24, that's the statute. That's when we lose the opportunity to get the 20 
20 credit. And then April 15th of 25 is the statute. That's when we lose the opportunity to take 21 credit. Don't miss out on getting your money back. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Yes, thanks, Randy.